Welcome back to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. We have a great show lined up for you today. I want to remind you to visit us at animalstodayradio.com, like us on Facebook, and go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Each week, we bring you the latest animal news from around the globe. Animals Today is a project of the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at aianimals.org. And if you like what you hear, consider donating to our cause of promoting compassion and respect for all animals. That website again is aianimals.org. Did you read the almost unbelievable news that 18 elephants were captured from the wild in the kingdom of Swaziland, Africa to be shipped in order to become exhibits for three United States zoos? You know, it's like we're moving backwards. Well, despite the worldwide attention that elephant conservation has achieved, and not to mention the almost universal acknowledgement that keeping elephants at zoos is very cruel, 17 elephants were indeed delivered to the three U.S. zoos, which I will name in a, in a bit. And I say 17 because one of them, one of the elephants died in the process. It's just so heartbreaking. And even worse, this occurred with the blessings of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service over vocal and strenuous objections by many prominent animal welfare organizations. Dr. Tony Frohoff is with us now. Dr. Frohoff is in defense of animals, elephant and cetacean expert. Welcome to the program, Tony. Thank you, Lori. I'm a fan of your show, so it's great to be on, albeit under these really bad circumstances. Tony, this is unbelievable. How in the world can this happen in 2016? Well, that's a really good question, and um, this this should not have happened at all, at least in this century, um, because when we know better, we're supposed to do better, and we know much more about not just the welfare of elephants and other wild animals, but we also know that zoos do not support conservation for elephants. And yet this is still occurring. So we know better, but we're doing just as bad, if not worse, as before. Tell us about Swaziland and how they view elephants. Swaziland is unique in that it is one of the last monarchies on Earth, true monarchies. So they, in essence, are are more self-regulating than others um, in political structure, um, including that of environmental uh, management. Uh, But I want to uh, bring us back to 2003 because this recent Swaziland swindle, as we call it, with these poor elephants. Um, In 2003, Swaziland also uh, sold elephants to the U.S. And the game parks, which is Swaziland, uh, they said at the time, just as they said this time, that the elephants would have had to be killed if the U.S. zoos didn't take them. So in that year, citing overpopulation, 2003, they arranged for 11 elephants to go to San Diego Zoo and Tampa's Lowry Park Zoo. And again, saying that the elephants would have had to have been killed, which is absolutely ridiculous. Tell us about the zoos that received these elephants. Well, um, again, um, this is such deja vu because the zoos claimed they jumped into the uh, savior mode saying that they were uh, being heroic in taking these elephants uh, from Swaziland. And 
Born Free at the time, an animal advocacy organization, they sued unsuccessfully to prevent the 2003 export. But the problem is um, we knew more then, and those elephants should never have been exported from Africa, uh, the continent. There are other countries in Africa and other regions um, that would have taken them so that we could have kept African elephants in Africa. But um, as I said, we know more now, and it's not just animal welfare or protection groups who were opposed to this uh, recent uh, Swaziland import. Uh, as you probably know, uh, Dr. Cynthia Moss, Dr. Joyce Poole, uh, prominent members of conservation biology community were actively opposed to this Swaziland import of elephants this year. And uh, there's to some degree, consensus that this is a swindle and that this is not for conservation and that these elephants are not being saved as the zoos claim. So the zoos are lying and the underhandedness of this uh, cannot be underestimated. Tony, tell us which zoos accepted these elephants. The uh, three zoos that uh, made the request for elephants from Swaziland and recently received them were the Dallas Zoo in Texas, Henry Dorley Zoo in Omaha, Nebraska, and Sedgwick County Zoo in Wichita, Kansas. And this terrible trio, as we call them, actually for the first time ever made a number one position, a tie in our 10 worst zoos list uh, because these three really, really, they colluded to put the con in conservation uh, for this really horrific effort to import these elephants uh, to their zoos under the guise of conservation and under the guise of saving them from what would otherwise have been purported to be a call, when in effect there were many other viable options that would have been much more humane for the elephants and much more uh, conducive to their conservation. This uh, import of elephants uh, from Africa to the U.S., it really exemplifies everything that in defense of animals and many, many other experts and advocates, um, what we are fighting the most, which is the zoo's efforts to uh, rebrand themselves as conservation institutes when really they are continuing to exploit these animals. They're just rebranding themselves um, as rescue and conservation organizations. But uh, the zoos are still utilizing these these individuals not for education or conservation but really for profit and uh, benefits for the zoological industry itself. You might know that in 2012 um, Seattle Times did a report that found that the rate of infant mortality of elephants in U.S. zoos was three times that in the wild. So for anybody who paints a picture of the wild being a horrific place for elephants as bad as it is with poaching, the zoo is that much more of a horrific place, even given veterinary care, a surplus of food and water. So you can only imagine the horrifying physical and psychological trauma that these individuals go through where not only can they not thrive, but they can't survive. Tony, what happened to the one elephant who died during the transfer? Uh, We have conflicting information, and it's very vague. Um, as to what happened with the one elephant who passed away of the Swaziland 18. And this is indicative of of the entire situation. 
that there should be absolute transparency in a situation such as this, but instead we have the opposite. All the details are murky, they're contradictory, and they're, this is, this is um, a for-profit endeavor, and the elephants are not only suffering from it, but the public is being lied to. And we should know exactly what happened to that elephant, and we probably never will. Right. Now, there were many attempts to try to prevent this transfer. Why did they fail? Well, I would say that uh, the zoos and big game parks in Swaziland, they were very underhanded about this. So when you play by the rules, and yet there is a whole con going on, um, it's hard to uh, establish a, a fair and equitable situation. There were going to be additional legal proceedings in March, uh, just about 10 days ago, that were supposed to have happened. And they did not happen. That's why these elephants and the other them were stolen. The uh, zoos did not abide by the agreed-upon um, international procedures mm. and legal proce- procedures. And uh, basically, before anything could be done, they just whisked those elephants out of there, um, even though there was a court date uh, scheduled. And this, they were they were whisked out of there under false premises, in my opinion. Incredible. If indeed Swaziland has an overpopulation problem of elephants, why couldn't the elephants been humanely relocated in Africa? You're tapping into such a rich question, Lori, because, first of all, the whole concept of there being an elephant overpopulation, but once others know the importance of elephants in the ecosystem and that they're critical value, and then seeing how what a small piece of land they were allotted to in Swaziland, um, to say that they were there was an overpopulation of elephants, ecologically speaking, is, is extremely misleading. Um, but that's what we were told. Second of all, they could have been uh, relocated to other uh, locations in the continent of Africa, and they were not. And the zoo said that they were the only option, but that's a lie. Yeah, There were other feasible options for the elephants to be in much more naturalistic surroundings and to not have suffered the stress and trauma and dangers of such transport and being separated in the manner that they are. They just decide who will make the best breeders, and they split them up, and they place them in those conditions. It's not only unmentionably cruel, but in the long run, they're breeding psychologically incompatible and increasingly psychologically traumatized animals who will never see the wild. Tony, I'm just outraged about this whole story. What are the groups like IDA doing and what can individual people do for these animals and to make sure this doesn't happen again? First and foremost, uh, please, I hope your listeners do not go to zoos. Zoos and aquariums, regardless of what they say to the public, um, none of the, they're, they're not maintaining elephants in humane ways and these elephants will never be returned back to the wild. So um, please don't go to zoos or um, other facilities that exploit elephants and other animals. Um, You're basically supporting them with with your dollars. In terms of what we can do about this, we want to give people meaningful ways. This should never happen again. And we need to make sure of that because not only do Swaziland still have additional elephants, but they will most likely try to sell again soon. But Tanzania may likely sell maybe even hundreds of elephants to China 
for captivity. So we need to all stay on top of this because it's not just a matter of welfare and captivity versus welfare in the wild. There is compassionate conservation, and we can be both compassionate and be true conservationists. And the Swaziland import is a violation of all those things. The website again is IDAUSA.org. Dr. Tony Frohoff, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Lori. Thank you for all your good work. For the past quarter century, International Society for Animal Rights has fought the battle against dog and cat overpopulation. Its programs include reducing income taxes by allowing a deduction for spay and neuter expenses, preventing animals adopted from shelters from reproducing, and requiring the mandatory identification of dogs and cats to prevent dumping the unwanted. For a list of all ISAR overpopulation programs, please see their website at www.isaronline.org. Hello, I'm Linda Gray, and I lost my mother and a dear friend to Alzheimer's disease. Nearly two-thirds of the five and a half million Americans suffering from Alzheimer's are women. Join the fight to help find treatments and cures for Alzheimer's faster by registering at brainhealthregistry.org. We collect vital research information online for free. Please do your part. I'm doing mine. Brainhealthregistry.org. Tax season is here. Many of us are wondering how we can maximize our tax refund and get it faster. Jackson Hewitt CEO David Prokupek shares a few tips on how to make the most of your tax refund this year. At Jackson Hewitt, we're serving hardworking Americans, making tax season less taxing. And this year, you can have your federal refund loaded onto an American Express Serve account. When you do, you can get your refund up to two days faster than an IRS direct deposit. We're going to let folks pop into Walmart and pick up the refund for under 10 bucks. It's really a great deal. One of the ways to maximize your refund uh, this year at Jackson Hewitt. Are there any other benefits for getting refunds on the card? This American Express Serve card helps you avoid high check cashing fees. You also get $50 on American Express Serve card the same day you complete your taxes with us. It's our way of saying thank you. But the best way to get the biggest refund, for which most Americans is the biggest paycheck of the year, is to talk to a tax professional and make sure you get it right. For more information... Visit jacksonhewitt.com. This is Rick Osick, president of Famous Footwear. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. As a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year, in addition to the emotional stress on employees and their families. That's why Famous Footwear is committed to raising funds to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in the March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Welcome back to the show. I want to reintroduce Dr. Michael Greger. We are continuing our discussion about food and diet as a mechanism for disease prevention. And his new book, which Peter and I have been learning a ton from, is titled How Not to Die. Hey, Michael. Hello. Glad to be back. Michael, in this segment, I wanted to focus on brain health and in particular, the neurodegenerative diseases, Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. In fact, one of your chapters is called How Not to Die from Parkinson's Disease. Michael, I think a lot of listeners will be surprised to learn about the connection between diet and the development of Parkinson's. Why does eating plants rather than animals protect you against developing Parkinson's disease? 
Parkinson's disease is our 14th leading killer in the United States. And most studies done to date suggest a link between dairy products and Parkinson's. They say, well, wait a second, why is that? Well, there's evidence that milk is contaminated with neurotoxic chemicals. High levels of pesticide residues are found in milk and the brains of Parkinson's victims on autopsy. Now, pollutants like uh, tetrahydroxyquinoline, which is actually what uh, scientists use to try to induce Parkinson's in primates and laboratories, and found mostly in cheese, actually. So, you know, uh, there's been calls for the dairy industry to require toxin screenings of milk. Certainly good luck with that. Uh, of course, we could always just not drink it. But then what would happen to our bones? That's a, it's a marketing ploy. If you look at the science, milk does not appear to protect against hip fracture risk, uh, whether drinking during our adult years or during our teen years. If anything, milk was associated with an increase in fracture risk, uh, perhaps explaining why hip fracture rates are highest actually in populations with the greatest milk consumption. And so, um, you know, I talk about... Uh, this one study out of Sweden where they decided to put it to the test. 100,000 men and women followed for up to 20 years, and milk-drinking women had higher rates of death, more heart disease, significantly more cancer for each daily glass of milk, three glasses a day associated with nearly twice the risk of premature death. And they had significantly more bone and hip fractures too, more milk, more fractures. Uh, milk-drinking men also had higher rates of death, uh, you know, uh, but uh, for some reason, uh, we uh, just, this information doesn't get out there. Perhaps it's because the um, dairy industry uh, is uh, one of the uh, number one contributors to nutrition education materials for our youth. And I know we're talking about diet here, but just briefly, avoiding head trauma and exercise, does that contribute to the slowing or the progression or preventing Parkinson's disease? Oh, certainly preventing. So uh, avoiding uh, head trauma, so not boxing or going to football or you know, making sure we wear our bike helmets and, uh, and uh, you know, seatbelts to prevent head trauma um, uh, certainly can help as well. Um, and uh, in terms of dietary um, interventions, coffee consumption may actually reduce risk of Parkinson's, um, and uh, as well as the consumption of nightshade vegetables, in particular peppers, like green peppers, um, may also reduce one's risk of Parkinson's as well. So let's talk about Alzheimer's disease, which is a lot more common than Parkinson's disease. Doesn't the mainstream press portray Alzheimer's as a genetic disease? It does. It's easier the same kind of things with, you know, breast cancer, et cetera. But one must realize, so uh, for Alzheimer's, there's this gene called ApoE4, um, the so-called Alzheimer's gene. But, uh, you, have to, uh, but uh, you know, the, 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 the population in the world with the highest level, uh, highest frequency of this um, Alzheimer's gene is in Nigeria. They also have some of the lowest rates of Alzheimer's in the world. You say, well, wait a second, what's going on? Well, you have to take a stand back and say, well, what does this gene do? That gene makes the protein that's the primary cholesterol carrier in the brain. And uh, so it just so happens that these Nigerian populations are eating such plant-based diets, their cholesterol is so low that it doesn't matter whether they have the Alzheimer's gene is not. Their, their cholesterol levels are low enough to bring their Alzheimer's disease risk low enough, whereas here in the United States, Alzheimer's is currently our sixth leading killer, a staggering 4 million Americans affected. 20 years ago, it wasn't even in the top 10. 
if you look at the latest dietary guidelines for the prevention of Alzheimer's, the two most important things you can do, number one, cut down our consumption of meat, dairy, and junk food and replace those with vegetables, beans, fruits, whole grains. This is based in part on data going back over 20 years now. This is a Seventh-day Adventist study. Found that those who eat meat, red meat, white meat, didn't matter. Appear to be between two to, two to three times more likely to become demented later in life compared to those that don't eat meat. And the longer one eats plant-based, the lower one's risk for dementia. What are polyphenols? Polyphenols are these... Um, phytonutrient compounds found concentrated in berries, but uh, found uh, uh, distributed in other plant foods too. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, we think berries are so important for uh, cognitive health. So for example, Harvard researchers found that women eating just a single serving of blueberries a week, two servings of strawberries a week, um, uh, seemed able to delay cognitive decline, brain aging, by about two and a half years. Uh, we think it's these polyphenol um, phytonutrients found within the berries, some of these uh, bright pigments that let that make uh, berries, blueberries blue and blackberries black, etc. And uh, American uh, Cancer Society study about 100,000 uh, men and women found that those eating berries also had lower risk of cardiovascular disease. You say, wait a second, tastes great, and you get to live longer. That's what a plant-based diet is all about. Dr. Gregor, do doctors and conventional dietary authorities address and advocate healthy eating as an essential element to prevent some of these diseases? More and more doctors are, but uh, most doctors have a severe nutrition deficiency in education. Most right. doctors just never talk about the impact of healthy nutrition on the uh, that can, you know can have on the, the, the course of illness. So they graduate without this powerful tool in their medical toolbox. Now, there's also institutional barriers, time constraints, lack of reimbursement. You know, in general, doctors simply aren't paid for you know, counseling people on how to take better care of themselves. Of course, you know, drug companies also play a role in influencing medical education and practice. You, know, you can ask your doctor, when's the last time they were taken out to, big, to dinner by Big Broccoli? Probably been a while. <laughs> the book is How Not to Die. Dr. Michael Greger, thank you. Listening to Animals Today Radio, your home for serious talk about animals. Now in its eighth year, Animals Today covers all animal-related topics and issues worldwide, with an emphasis on animal welfare. Animals Today is a project of the nonprofit animal welfare organization Advancing the Interests of Animals. Its mission is to improve the lives of animals and to encourage increased compassion and respect for all living beings. Check them out at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. Your donation to Advancing the Interests of Animals will support the ongoing production of Animals Today. Just visit aianimals.org and click Support Us. And thanks for listening. Your Animals Today tip of the day has to do with kittens. If you find a litter of newborn or very young kittens, do not assume the mother has abandoned them. If they are not clearly in distress, their mother is probably hunting for food or in the process of moving them. She may even be hiding nearby until you've gone. You should leave the kittens alone for a couple hours and stay far enough away so the mother feels safe to return. If she doesn't return and you're absolutely convinced they are abandoned, contact your local cat rescue group and ask for advice about your particular situation. And that is your Animals Today tip of the day.
Rita, you look upset. I am, and I'm not sure what to do. My neighbor's dog is tied up outside. He looks very skinny and sick, and I never see food or clean water given to him. You need to report this right away. What do you mean? Well, you should call Animal Services or the police and tell them about the abused and neglected dog. They can help to make sure the dog is properly taken care of. Okay, I can't stand to watch him suffer anymore. What's the number? Even though most of us take good care of our pets, not everyone treats dogs and cats with the care and compassion they need to be safe and healthy. If you see that a dog or cat is not being treated properly, report it to animal services or the police right away. Pets need food and clean water and protection from extreme weather. You can make the difference, and you don't have to give your name. Help stop pet abuse and neglect. Be their voice. Make the call. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org. There is no getting around it. The great outdoors isn't so great for your cat. From speeding cars to toxic lawn chemicals, coyotes to cruel humans, cats are no match to the dangers of today's world. The good news is animal behavior experts say cats don't need to go outside to be happy. Your family will be happier and healthier, too, without the ticks, fleas, diseases, and the dead critters the outdoor cats bring their owners. And you will never have to explain to a crying child who or what hurt her pet or why he hasn't come home. Cats can enjoy a happy and safe life indoors. The key is to provide attention, exercise, and a stimulating environment. Play with your cat. It's fun for both of you. You can hide toys around the house, too. Just make sure there can be no detachable parts that can be swallowed. You can protect your cat from becoming a tragic statistic. Tomorrow may be too late. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. I'm Bob DeRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. Class action lawsuits play an important role in our justice system. They can make it easier for large groups of people who have been injured or harmed to obtain justice by sharing legal representation. However, a petition filed recently with the U.S. Supreme Court reveals that an alarming number of class action lawsuits are enriching the lawyers while their clients get almost nothing. For example, a class action lawsuit filed over a popular brand of batteries resulted in a payday for the lawyers of $5.7 million, but their clients got less than $350,000 combined. Put another way, the lawyers got 94% of the settlement money, while their clients got only 6%. That's only $0.05 cents for each of the 7 million folks who were harmed. Let's be fair. Compare that to the already high 33% charged by most of the contingency fee lawyers advertising on TV, and we can see just how outrageous that is. So how can this happen? Learn how by visiting our website at centerforamericatv.org. Thanks for calling Consolidated Credit Counseling Services. Can I help you? I sure hope so. I'm in debt. Is it credit card bills? Yes, I have two credit cards that I'm making minimum payments on and another that I'm behind on. I owe about $5,000. What interest rates are you paying? Between 18 and 22%. At that rate, it'll take over 20 years to pay off. Wow. 20 years? What Consolidated Credit can do is work with your creditors to lower your payments and reduce or even eliminate your interest charges. You should be able to pay everything off in three or four years. What do I have to do? Just give me some details and get ready to celebrate your freedom from debt. We're Consolidated Credit. We're here to give you freedom from debt. Call now for your free consultation. If I had known it was this easy, I would have called years ago. Call 1-800-897-8374. 1-800-897-8374. That's 1-800-897-8374. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services Incorporated, 5701 West Sunlight Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Not a loan company, licensed by New York Department of Financial Services, and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation, Maryland DM19, Oregon DM80031. 
Do you hear that ringing? I've heard that ringing in my ears for over 20 years. My doctor said... The ringing and buzzing in your ears is called tinnitus, and you're just going to have to learn to live with it. The constant ringing in my ears is annoying. I've tried everything, and nothing worked. So I invested my own money, met with doctors, specialists, and certified labs. After a decade of research, we've developed Tinoxyl, a prescription-free, 100% natural and effective way to stop the ringing. And better yet, it helps me sleep. Trying to sleep with ringing in my ears is almost impossible. But with Tinoxyl, I started sleeping better in the first couple weeks. I'm so confident that Tinoxyl will help you too that I'm giving the first 100 callers a free 30-day supply. Don't let the ringing in your ears control your life. Call now and get your free 30-day supply. Just pay shipping. Take back control of your life. Combat the ringing and start sleeping again. Try it for free. Call 800-930-1669. That's 800-930-1669. 800-930-1669. Welcome back to the show. Our friends at the American Pet Products Association, that's the group that puts on the Global Pet Expo each year, just released new data about how much money we spend on our pets and how we spend it. This is a huge market. I want to welcome back to the show Bob Vettiri, president and CEO of the American Pet Products Association. Welcome back, Bob. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Bob, retail spending in the pet industry is really big, isn't it? Lori, I have to tell you, if you take a look at the numbers for the pet industry, you're looking at something a little over $60 billion. Wow. And to put that in perspective, it's the size of the candy, hardware, and jewelry markets in the United States added together. Wow. So you just released this year's study of the pet products market. What are some of the key findings? Well, as always, food is going to be the largest chunk. That's that's a little bit over $23 billion. We have to feed all of our fur, fur, furry, thin friends. Uh, but then right behind that is uh, veterinary care. And we keep, seem to be increasing our spending on keeping our animals healthy longer, starting when they're younger. Um, so you're seeing a lot of money being spent there, a little bit under $15.5 billion. And then the supplies, uh, you know, like cages and aquariums and leashes and collars and all sorts of the similar items is almost the same as veterinary care, about $14 billion. And food, veterinary care, and supplies have gone up? Each one has gone up. You know, uh, supplies uh, increased the most, almost 4% year over year. Uh, food is about 3.5%. Veterinary care was a little bit slower at about 2.5% because it seems like people are now getting supplements and vitamins and all sorts of additives in food and, and treats that uh, are causing them to not make as many uh, veterinary visits as, as they would have in the past. Right. But still, still keeping their animals healthy. Bob, uh, we see... All sorts of samples for toys and accessories, leashes, cages, treats come to the radio station all the time. It's amazing the creativity that uh, inventors have out there. We uh, just, I think, Lori just referred to the fact that we put on Global Pet Expo uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's the largest annual pet product show in the world. It encompasses close to a million square feet. It's about 16 football fields. 
of everything you could possibly imagine, and it never ceases to amaze me how many new products come into the show. There was over a thousand new products introduced at our show just this year alone, uh, representing about 200 new members that we added to uh, American Pet Product Association. People's creativity and caring for their pets just continues to create all these new and unbelievable products. And we're more comfortable spending larger percentages of our incomes on these pets. It's, you know, people, a few years ago, everybody was worried when we had that, that recession and, and, you know, everybody was, was kind of panicking, but they cut back on their own vacations. They cut back on the number of times they went out to eat during the week. They cut back on a lot of personal things, but they still kept their pets healthy, happy, and took care of them. And a lot of it... It goes back to this humanization of, of our pets that's been going on for, for years and years now. And we just continue to treat them more and more like furry or finned extensions of the family. And it's no longer satisfying to us to thank them for all they do for us in just pet terms. We want to thank them in human terms so that it's meaningful to us. And that keeps translating into the kind of money that you're, that you're uh, looking at. That's so interesting you said that because just today we received a couple of samples of dog treats. Uh, They look like the human treat, the Easter treat peeps. And uh, it's it's remarkable. You really want the people to get something out of this. As I walk our trade show every year, I'll see more and more treats that look like that beer and I swear I have to fight the temptation to just taste them to see what they taste like because they look just like what I just got done eating back in the uh, office. Bob, do you see any differences between the trends um, in spending for the dogs versus the cats? Um, you, you know, I think that because of the interaction that you could have um, with a dog, and I have to be care- I have to be careful on this one because we're a cat family now. We used to be a dog family, so I know that my wife will, will glare me down if I say this wrong. But there still is more of of a uh, continuous interaction with the dog. You could take a dog for a walk. You could take a dog, uh, you know, to meet other dogs and the like. Cat is more or less a one on one kind of deal, and and you don't get that same kind of interplay. So as a result, you're going to spend more on dogs, not just food, but also in supplies and the things that you'll do. That's not to say that people aren't spending quite a bit on cats, but with dogs, you're seeing a little bit more growth in the spending there and in the products uh, for them. Uh, So you would see kind of a faster acceleration there, but both are are accelerating faster than most other uh, animals, faster than bird, faster than uh, fish and reptile and small animal. Bob, as you know, there's new legislation in several cities and municipalities banning the sale of commercially bred dogs and cats in pet stores. And we might disagree on this, but I would love to see the pet stores start selling sheltered animals instead of bred animals. Well, you're finding that some do. I mean, there's uh, Petco's and PetSmart's will be uh, having adoption days and, and going the same way. Bob, I want to get back to house cats, if you would. And our cats love these little motorized drinking fountains where the water is, uh, you know, sort of moving along and it really induces them to to drink and stay hydrated. How popular are they? And uh, one challenge we have is keeping them clean. What do you what do you say to that? 
Well, you're seeing more and more products like that, too, because millennials are starting to finally show an upturn in pet ownership. And as a result, and, and cats are, are very popular there. Small dogs and cats are very popular among millennials, but they still have active lifestyles. They're still working. They're still, you know, just starting to build families and careers. So they really want to make sure that their animal is well taken care of. And so you're finding automatic watering devices, automatic feeding devices. Uh, there there are, are collars that will allow uh, cats to only be able to eat out of the food that's intended for them when you have like multiple cats in a house. Uh, there's ways that uh, the given collar will just free up food for a given cat. It becomes really, it's unbelievable how scientifically balanced all this is becoming now. And yeah, there are some challenges with them, but at this year's show, there were several that are starting to show uh, ways that the products now are being better designed to actually keep themselves clean, keep themselves oh, like uh, very healthy for the pet and uh, easily taken care of. So it's a problem that had existed that seems to be being addressed more and more every year. Bob, what's your number one seller of a dog toy or a cat toy? Wow. Uh, you know, it depends. If you're talking about a baby boomer, you're going to find a lot of toys that are designed to keep the uh, to keep your pet exercising. We we actually had a, a guy with a treadmill for your dog uh, this year, so it was a way that if you can't take your dog for a walk, your dog could still go for a walk. Really interesting. Um, but you you know you're seeing uh, for the millennials, like I said, you're seeing more of the high tech products, products to keep the the pet active and well taken care of while, well, you know, they're still continuing their active lifestyle. Uh, Generation X, they're just looking for ways to interact better with their pet. Uh, cats, you're finding everything from videos to laser light shows to all sorts of activities to try to keep the cat as uh, animated as you can when you're not in, in the location. So those seem to be the biggest uh, directional for dog and cat that I saw this year at the show. President and CEO of the American Pet Products Association, Bob Vittieri, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Ever since Animals Today has been in production, which has been about eight years now, companies send us sample products for review. We receive dog and cat treats, toys, food samples. Electronic devices and articles of clothing. And what would you say are some of our least favorite products? You know, I do think those sort of electronic things or the little battery-operated toys, they don't really last. I think the devices to track your dog, those have not really been so great so far. And how about the disgusting treats for our dogs, oh. like rawhide, or we don't like giving our dogs rawhide, or cow leg tendons? Yeah, or a bone, big, huge animal bone. Right. Yeah. And we've received cannabis treats and products <laughs> meant for pets, but we've sort of been scared to give those to them. Yeah, we're hoarding it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we get some of those dog chew toys that are so hard. I just can't see how, how they're safe or promote the you know dental hygiene for your dog. Well, a few years ago, when one of our dogs cracked or broke a tooth that needed extracting, a veterinary dentist did tell us you shouldn't give dogs anything to chew on that you could that you could not indent with your fingernail. And so I don't know if this is true, but we sort of abided by that rule ever mm -hmm. since. Right. And how about these poop bags that we keep receiving, these tiny, eco-friendly, biodegradable poop bags? Yeah, this has become a, a real problem since 
ordinary plastic bags are becoming extinct around here. Exactly. Because they're horrible for the environment. I guess they're killing the oceans. But either way, so we've got these bags. They're green. They're small. And you can barely fit all of what you need to in the bag without soiling your hand. And they fall apart as you're using it. They disintegrate in your hands. Oh, my goodness. And we do have large dogs to begin with, so the bags are barely big enough to contain the feces of our dogs. But look, we had a guest here at our house last night with her 80-pound dog and the size of his business he deposited in our backyard could in no way fit into one of those bags, right? That's right. You better believe it. And I like some of the sturdy leashes and collars that are not made of animal products. Like we once received collars made of hemp. Okay. They were very durable. Not so much the leather collars or, or uh, leashes. In terms of our cats, we do like the water fountains, but it does take cleaning and maintenance. And catnip is always great to get for our cats. We've gotten some cat treats that have sort of worked out okay. And if the cats don't eat it, the dogs will. Right. And we've been sent a few uh, laser toys, so those are good. One of my favorite things for the cats is a cardboard sort of construction kit. And it allows you to create little cubes that you can stack and they're put together with clips and you can punch out little holes and you make a little habitat and truly it's the most low-tech thing you can imagine and it's just lasting and lasting occasionally a piece of cardboard will break off you throw it out just sort of shrinking over the years but it's been a wonderful uh, play habitat for the cats very simple and inexpensive and then of course we also receive items we just don't understand and would never use for our animals like the leash that hooks onto your bike so you can ride your bike alongside with your dog running. Yeah. There's so many things wrong with that idea. And dangerous. Yeah. And there's a lot more. Maybe we'll talk about more of our samples in another segment. Okay. So stick around more with animals today, right after the break. This is Rick Osick, president of Famous Footwear. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. As a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year, in addition to the emotional stress on employees and their families. That's why Famous Footwear is committed to raising funds to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in the March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Tax season is here. Many of us are wondering how we can maximize our tax refund and get it faster. Jackson Hewitt CEO David Prokupek shares a few tips on how to make the most of your tax refund this year. At Jackson Hewitt, we're serving hardworking Americans, making tax season less taxing. And this year, you can have your federal refund loaded onto an American Express Serve account. When you do, you can get your refund up to two days faster than an IRS direct deposit. We're going to let folks pop into Walmart and pick up the refund for under 10 bucks. It's really a great deal, one of the ways to maximize your refund uh, this year at Jackson Hewitt. Are there any other benefits for getting refunds on the card? This American Express Serve Card helps you avoid high check cashing fees. You also get $50 on American Express Serve Card the same day you complete your taxes with us. It's our way of saying thank you. But the best way to get the biggest refund, for which most Americans is the biggest paycheck of the year, is to talk to a tax professional and make sure you get it right. For more information, visit jacksonhewitt.com. I'm Bob DeRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. A monkey, an animal rights organization, and a primatologist walk into a federal court to sue for infringement of the monkey's claimed copyright. Sounds like a joke, right? 
but it's actually a line from a real court document filed by a lawyer for a photographer who was sued last year by the group People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. To make a long story short, a monkey in Indonesia took a picture of himself using a camera that a nature photographer had left unattended. It was hilarious, and the monkey's selfie went viral. Unfortunately, that's when the real monkey business started, and PETA sued the photographer. It claimed that the monkey, not him, should get any money generated by the photo. Let's be fair. I know our legal system sometimes seems like it's gone bananas, but I'm happy to say that a federal judge has just issued a tentative ruling upholding common sense. He says that a monkey can't own a copyright. PETA, however, pledges to keep fighting. Learn more. Visit our website at centerforamericatv.org. Hello, I'm Linda Gray, and I lost my mother and a dear friend to Alzheimer's disease. Nearly two-thirds of the five and a half million Americans suffering from Alzheimer's are women. Join the fight to help find treatments and cures for Alzheimer's faster by registering at brainhealthregistry.org. We collect vital research information online for free. Please do your part. I'm doing mine. Brainhealthregistry.org. Welcome back to the show. Lori and I became aware of this issue of fake service dogs or faux service dogs. We became suspicious of this phenomenon pretty early on. And in fact, we had an encounter with a woman in an airport with a dog and a vest. And Lori struck up a seemingly innocent conversation with her and was able to pretty much determined that this was a, just a scam so she could fly with her dog. Remember that, Lori? Phony baloney. <laughs> Indeed. And and so we've been really tuned to that. We've done a couple of shows about service animals and emotional support animals and the susceptibility for this being abused, right? So not surprisingly, uh, the states are starting to take up legislation to deal with this because people are passing their animals as support animals when they really shouldn't be. And this one is in Colorado. The Colorado House has uh, passed a bill that would make it a crime to misrepresent a pet as a service animal. So you just can't do that. The Senate hasn't taken this up yet, but Representative Daniel Kagan, who is from Arapahoe County, he is sponsoring the law. And uh, if you're convicted the first offense, there would be a $350 to $1,000 fine, similar to what happens if you are parking in a disabled parking spot without the proper permit. If you do it the second time, it's $600 to $1,000. The third time, $1,000 to $5,000 fine, plus up to 10 hours of community service if you keep on taking your dog with a fake vest where you shouldn't be. What do you think about that, Lori? Well, it is similar to the people with the handicapped stickers on their car or their tags hanging from their rear view mirror and they park in these handicapped places and then they come and, and run out of their car into the store. I know. Yes, there is, it is analogous. It's like it's sort of defrauding society a little bit. According to Kagan, there are three problems with this uh, practice. One is that the fake service dogs give legitimate dogs a bad reputation. I'm not, I'm not sure how that happens, but that's one claim. The other is that it's a public safety threat. And the idea here is that people might approach the dog and the dog's not used 
to the fake dog who hasn't been trained is not used to how to deal with that. So you can get a bite or something along those lines. And uh, thirdly, that it is indeed fraud and, and people are falsely claiming that their dogs are service animals to avoid the pet fees in hotels and facilities like that. So those are his three pieces of rationale for trying to pass this legislation. I bet you we're going to see this all over the place because this is really, really common. Okay, does that mean we have to throw away our service vests that we purchase for our own dogs and cats? No comment. So, Lori, in the National Arboretum in D.C., they are live streaming an eagle's nest. Have you seen that? No. It's really, it's really cute, first of all. And the pictures are high def, and they've got two cameras way up in this tree. And now there are two little baby eagles being watched over by mom. And uh, you can see their little heads peeking up once in a while. Their little gray furry things are not flying yet. And it's really a really interesting story because they, well, they call the parents Mr. President and the First Lady, and they raised one eaglet last year, and now they've got uh, two, and they've got these uh, cameras way up that came from uh, Alfred State College, and you can go to uh, www.eagles.org slash dceaglecam slash, and you can uh, watch these guys live. It's really cute. That's great. Yeah. Major support of Animals Today Radio comes from International Society for Animal Rights. For decades, ISAR has been a world leader in the battle against dog and cat overpopulation and its moral, social, and economic costs. Please visit their website at www.isaronline.org. You hear about Giorgio Armani. They're going fur-free. I heard that. Isn't that wonderful news? Yes, they've been uh, working with the... Fur Free Alliance, which is an international coalition of uh, 40 animal protection organizations. They focus on ending the fur trade. Well, Armani has joined them. How about that? Great news. He said, Armani himself, I am pleased to announce that the Armani Group has made a firm commitment to abolish the use of animal fur in its collections. And he goes on, technological progress made over the years allows us to have valid alternatives at our disposition that render the use of cruel practices unnecessary as regards animals. Pursuing the positive process undertaken long ago, my company is now taking a major step ahead, reflecting our attention to the critical issues of protecting and caring for the environment and animals. And I know, Peter, that Armani is joining these other high-end brands such as Hugo Boss, Tommy Hilfinger, Calvin Klein, and Stella McCartney in their commitment to go for free. That's great. And, you know, many people don't realize the damage to the environment fur processing entails. So that's another positive here. Right, Peter. Not to mention the horrible cruelty involved. And uh, Florida Governor Rick Scott has just signed a bill making it legal to break into locked vehicles to rescue pets or vulnerable people believed to be in imminent danger of suffocation or harm. That's uh, something familiar to you, right, Lori? It sure is. And uh, this bill just uh, went into effect. And uh, you just can't willy-nilly start breaking into cars. Keep that in mind, too, as you go along. But it uh, applies to people and also domestic animals like dogs, cats, or another animal that uh, may be kept as a household uh, pet. But you've got to do a couple of things before you break 
in. Okay. So you have to make sure that the vehicle is actually locked. Okay. It's just not like a license to start breaking windshields. Okay. You need to have the reasonable belief based upon known circumstances that entering into the vehicle is necessary and that the vulnerable person or domestic animal is in imminent danger of suffering harm. Then you've got to call 911 or law enforcement either before or immediately after breaking into the vehicle. And you can only use the necessary force to break in that. I like that provision. That's logical. And then uh, you have to remain with the person, child, or animal until first responders arrive on the scene. So you've got sort of uh, built-in safety provisions here. Uh, did you know Whoa, that- whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, so what about the responsibility of the person who left their dog or their child in the hot car? Oh, that's a good point. So this law would protect the person who breaks into the car from the person who left the kid or the dog in the car suing them. But how about the person who left the kid or the dog or the cat in the car? That's my point. Who goes after them? Right. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Okay, you forgot. Right. So you might be cited because you broke the window to save a dog or a child Mm -hmm. without checking the four doors first to make sure they're unlocked. Versus the person who left the dog in the car, they get away scot-free. Yeah. Did you know in 2014, there were 32 children died in hot car deaths around the country? That's pretty horrible. I'm not aware of a similar statistic about animals, but uh, they are very susceptible, just like uh, kids are. And one or two minutes could make the difference. Okay, so you have to act. Maybe we disagree about whether you want to check the door handles first, but still, you have to act quickly. You have to act quickly. Thanks for tuning in. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.